Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we are being joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. But before we bring on our guest, I'd like to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our latest issue is featuring Tracy Bentley, the president and CEO of the Permian Basin Strategic Partnership. It's a wonderful organization created from some of the best operators and service companies that are drilling in the Permian Basin area. So for more information on Tracy Bentley's story or the Permian Basin Strategic Partnership, go to shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's shalemag.com. I'd also like to tell you about one of the fastest growing energy chambers in Texas. It's called TEAK, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. And you can go and join and attend some of the great events that they are scheduled to have in the latter part of the year, of course, after we are released from this coronavirus epidemic. For more information, go to TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.org. And now, with no further ado, let me bring on our guest, the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in quarantine, Texas. <laughs> yeah, quarantined the world. Or maybe we should say Quarren, Texas. Yeah. Oh, there you anyway. go. We created a new name. We need to write that down. And uh, so, you know, just to, to discuss, we, you and I have kind of talked about how do we, you know, keep the show going with great coverage because it seems so important to be talking about what's happening in energy. And so we decided, you know, decided let's stop the guests for just a little bit, bring you on and we need to cover there's there's a whole bunch of moving parts pertaining to you know the coronavirus and then of course energy and then how is the coronavirus affecting energy and then we have a railroad commission hearing that just happened that we're going to talk about today. These topics are moving very very quickly. There's a lot of uncertainty. And, of course, not enough real good information. And so this is why we decided let's just uh, put the the guest on hold, if you will, and and try to break down the coverage of this as it's occurring. And so uh, I thank you for for helping me uh, talk to our listeners about what's happening Um, and being a voice of truth and, of course, information. So let's get started, if you will, David. So. You know, two or three days ago, the Railroad Commission, the Texas Railroad Commission, had a hearing that uh, lasted all day. I I, I listened to it all day. I don't know if you did, but it was a long hearing. Lots of most of it. It was it was amazing to see our elected officials in action. And um, you know, my thoughts. I just want to get your thoughts first. My thoughts were: I saw all three of the commissioners very engaged. I also saw them working together, trying to figure out what is what is the solution. Um, and they seemed to do it, in, in, in my opinion, in a way that was thoughtful. 
they yeah. realize that there's the major integrated service companies that are opposing the Railroad Commission getting into this process of monitoring the amount of uh, drilling that's going on in activity in Texas. And then they also are looking on the other side, the small independents and their fight and, and their troubles and where they're landing in this. And while all of this is going on, we have a pandemic and the price of oil has just bottomed out, which has brought this to the Texas Railroad Commission. So tell me, first of all, break down the topic of what was going on, what was the request, why did the Railroad Commission have an emergency meeting, if you will? Yes, and, and yeah, and, and so it was It was a, a hearing on the question of whether to re-implement, uh, use the commission's authority called prorationing, which allows it to establish limits on what can be produced out of every oil well in the state of Texas in any given month. And it, it's a longstanding power that was first uh, applied by the commission in 1932 to limit overproduction in the East Texas field that was flooding the global market for crude oil and had dropped the price down to about two cents per barrel of oil um, at that time. Please don't let us go there. Yeah, and so the reason the Railroad Commission exists is to prevent the waste of Texas's natural resource uh, Mm -hmm. of oil and gas. That's Mm -hmm. why, that's its main duty. And, And when you're producing it, just flooding the market with it at these low prices, that's a form of waste. That's economic waste. And and so Parsley Energy and Pioneer Natural Resources, both companies that have been featured on the cover of Shell Magazine, uh, requested this hearing a few weeks ago, and, and the three commissioners uh, granted it. It was a long hearing. It lasted well into the evening. Fifty-five, I think, witnesses altogether gave verbal testimony, and uh, more than 400 offered written testimony. Uh, It's a very uh, controversial and divisive issue within the oil and gas business. As you mentioned, you know, uh, integrated companies and even some independents uh, are not in favor of it it, 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 because they believe it would do more harm than good to their business interests. And then many uh, independent producers are in favor of it because you know they're they believe they're going to be disproportionately disadvantaged uh with with this market that is just basically uh has has the markets overfly uh, oversupplied that they're going to be forced to shut in a lot of their production right so and and i agree with you i mean the commissioners they're all good people we know them all uh, uh ryan Sitton and christy craddock and wayne christian um they're all good people. They all want to do, you know, uh, make the best judgment for, for both the industry and for the people of Texas, for the state and, and, and the people of Texas. And, mm-hmm. you know, they well, have now- their job to do. So they, they listen attentively and, and uh, you know, I think ultimately, you know, they're going to make a very studied decision that has a strong basis in, in logic and the regulations. And, and, you know, I also want to, there's so many different things to consider for the Railroad Commission. It, it is, you know, uh, should they get into pro-rationing, if you will. But then there's also, when you do that, you lose an opportunity for revenue coming out for the state of Texas as a whole. But then we're bad in a bad situation right now as it is because of just market price. So, you know, they're having to, to grapple with that. Will it cause a, an impact in that area? And then there's also the um, differences, if you will, between the major 
integrated oil companies and then the small little guys. And, you know, when you look out, you look at other businesses, they have hub certification zones. um, They have women owned businesses and they have all these different certifications you go through uh, no matter where you are in the United States to basically help the small guy get their piece of the pie, if you will, so these large companies don't eat them up. And if we're doing it in other sectors, and I get the whole market, you know, uh, market value, and, uh, you know, we're, we're free enterprise. But if we see it in other areas, why would we not be, you know, considering the same thing? And, 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 and that's just, you know, one area I'm looking at. But I, I want to also cover some of the companies that were testifying. Uh, you know, you said Pioneer Natural Resources and Parsley Energy both requested this emergency meeting. They had Marathon Oil, Lee Tillman, who was against them, the Railroad uh, Commission getting involved. Um, Parsley Energy was for it. I'm not sure how to pronounce uh, Encana's new name. Is Oventive. it? Oventive. Oventive yeah, was. Encana. Yes, Encana. And we've had Doug Suttles on our cover too with Shell Magazine. Yes. They were against the Railroad Commission. Plains All American Pipeline testified. Enterprise Product Partners. University Lands. That's an interesting one, David, because that's the university that has all that land <laughs> that right. they're getting millions and millions of dollars every year. And they were for the Railroad Commission getting involved. Texas Oil and Gas Association against. Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, our friends here were against Texas independent producers and royalty owners. Ed Longnecker was against, and uh, the list goes on and on and on. But I found, and and I want to come back from break and cover more of these, but one of the ones that I found to be so interesting was Harold Hamm of Continental Resources. And remember, last week we had this discussion on the show about him uh, discussing at a Tipro, he was the keynote, that we were going to meet this bridge one day. We were going to have to cross it. And uh, he is for the Railroad Commission coming in and doing something. I want your thoughts before we go to break on how profound sure. is that? Well, I, you know, he's certainly influential, and, and, and Mr. Ham is also uh, uh, putting pressure on the Corporation Commission in Oklahoma, which, which is the regulator of the oil and gas business up there, to, to engage in a similar action. And in North Dakota, where Continental Resources is one of the biggest Bakken producers. He's also lobbying uh, the commission up there, the Industrial Commission uh, in in North Dakota, to do this. They all three, all three of those commissions have similar authorities to do this, and um, and so Harold, as a producer in all three states, uh, you know, he has uh, a lot of influence. Well, I just kind of think that when the commissioners, you know, when they grapple and try to consider this, that whole hearing really, to me, just. Uh, really demonstrated what a really tough time it is to be a commissioner right now and uh, the amount of weight that they're carrying if they make the wrong or the right decision for the great state of Texas, our citizens, and of course, the energy industry. When we get back from break, I want to get back on the topic of the actual hearing now and go a little bit more in depth. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 
471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our free business snapshot that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash business snapshot. Start dealing with a company you can trust and will always be there for you. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, before the break, uh, we had a very good intro section of talking about the Texas Railroad Commission, the regulatory body that handles all oil and gas information and and permitting here in the state of Texas. And uh, they had a hearing this past week, and um, there were more than 50 witnesses. There was more than 400 comments. Some of the things that uh, we witnessed were some of the majors supporting it and some of the majors against it. And uh, so, you know, my question is, uh, we were talking about Harold Hamm and his involvement. This week, there have been uh, regulators in both Oklahoma and North Dakota that are considering similar limits on production in their states. And there was one overtone um, that came out of the hearing, which was they were a lot of the testimony was discussing Texas should be the leader, but Texas shouldn't do it alone. Texas should get some other states involved and engaged as well. You wrote about this uh, in Shell Mag about two weeks ago. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on this. Yeah, and, and, and that was kind of gratifying to me to hear my own thoughts echoed. Isn't that nice when that happens? <laughs> yeah. I knew um, it. <laughs> but when you look at it, so we have, it's not just in the United States, we have this global effort right now going on to limit supply of crude oil in response to the demand destruction that this virus has caused. Um, and so you had the OPEC plus countries, you know, agreeing among themselves to cut about 10 million barrels a day off the market uh, last week. And, you know, for the United States to actually make any firm commitment to cut production, the only authorities uh, in our country who, who are able to do that uh, enforce something like that would be these states where, where, where the state regulators have this authority, similar to the railroad commissions, and and that is North Dakota, it's Oklahoma, it is New Mexico in, in a different way, and Wyoming also has 
some authority uh, to limit production that's a little different from prorationing. And so my thought a few weeks ago was that, well, you know, the one way the United States could actually become a participant in a global effort to limit supply would be for these state regulators to band together and all get, you know, take action to limit production in their own states. Now, those five states that I mentioned are about something over 80%, is five-sixths of the total oil production in the United States. So that's a very significant thing. And and if, if they're all doing that, that's why I'm not trying to take credit for it or anything like that. But but if they're all doing that, then I think, you know, you can build a pretty justifiable case for the Railroad Commission going down this road with the caveat that this is something the commission hasn't tried to enforce in 48 years. Um, and there is no institutional memory on how to do it right. at the commission today. And the commission has a fraction of the staff it used to have 48 years ago because of constant cutting the budgets over the you know mm-hmm. ensuing decades. Mm-hmm. So, which goes it, back to the argument year after year about how the Texas Railroad Commission needs more funds, not less. Go ahead, yes. keep going. And it's, so I don't want to, anyone to think that this is some simple thing and. And, and Christy Craddock said this during the hearing. You know, how, how are we supposed to go about doing this? We, we haven't done it in all these years. We don't have any staff with any experience at it. And probably they don't have the computer systems in place to manage it. So it's a complicated thing. It could be costly in terms of budget. And, and it's just a tough decision these commissioners are, are, are working on trying to to make i know and and you know it's kind of like president trump with the pandemic you just really don't know what you don't know until it arrives and then it's trying to figure out what's the best move without disrupting the markets too much or being too uh invasive into change and then how do you get it back, which is some of the discussions. But then I also heard things that really made me feel very patriotic, things that were – I don't remember which uh, testimony came from. Uh, I don't know if you heard it. It was a, a gentleman who was discussing, you know, how important it would be if the Railroad Commission got involved in this, how OPEC and OPEC Plus, which we're going to get on that topic in the next segment, was discussing – they're asking, what is the United States going to do? You know, we keep cutting and we keep cutting and we keep cutting. And President Trump really doesn't have any tools in his yeah. in his toolbox pertaining to this. But if they came to an agreement, that would give President Trump more leverage. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing because I really am not an expert in this area. But it did make sense of mm-hmm. of trying to uh, reassure Russia and Saudi Arabia, hopefully we never get back here again. There's got to be some uh, uniformity of what's going on here. And, and if we do have OPEC, then we had OPEC plus, which was Saudi Arabia and Russia. And now the discussion is OPEC plus plus, and does that include the United States as well? So... You know, when we return from break, I, I want to talk about this glut 
that's out there and change gears a little bit and let's talk about more global issues that are going to lead into you know is this a good thing that the railroad commission is considering or not and uh, we also had a lot of headway this week as well in that area with some of the pricing and of course things that were happening um, in Saudi Arabia in Russia and of course uh, President Trump you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash TEAK. And click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Okay, David, so let's uh, talk. Before the break, we were talking about OPEC plus OPEC and then OPEC plus plus. Let's discuss um, President Trump. Uh, He's moving to restart the U.S. economy by the end of April, which uh, that's what he promised. It looks like maybe not so. Um, Looks like it might go into May. Um, We have seen China already doing uh, that and and, uh, several other European nations like Spain and Germany are also moving in that direction. Factoring in the new supply cuts promised by OPEC Plus and the countries um, that we've all come together, when can we expect to see that glut kind of closing? Yeah, um, so it's, you know, the the economy is, it's going to be a gradual restart. It's going to start, it's actually probably already starting in some states. You know, there are eight states that don't have a stay-at-home order right now uh, because they've hardly been impacted by this virus. Uh, And so their business community is going to be restarting even before the end of April in some of those states. And and in Texas, you know, Governor Abbott is uh, clarifying that process for Texas. And, and, you know, Texas has over 100 counties that have had fewer than five cases of, of the coronavirus. So it's 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 going to be a gradual thing, but but as the economy restarts, demand for crude oil is going to ramp up again. Hopefully, it so, shoots up like a skyrocket. Right. And, and it, 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 you know, these big firms like Rystad Energy and Wood McKenzie and IHS Market mm-hmm. have projected that that you know the 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 supply glut uh, for the month of April is is gigantic. 25 to 30 million barrels of oil per day 
uh, more supply than demand for crude oil. But as the economies restart, that glut is going to go away fairly rapidly. And when you factor in, as you said, the, the 10 million barrels a day that the OPEC plus countries are taking off the market, the fact that the United States, even if the Railroad Commission and these other commissions don't do anything, most likely the United States production is going to drop by three to four million barrels a day over the next few months just because producers don't have a market for their oil and they're going to have to shut in oil wells. And so along about the end of summer, the, the beginning of the third quarter, uh, of, you know, around that time and even into the fourth quarter, we're going to see this gap go away almost completely and maybe completely if everybody adheres to their production limits. And you could then see, after those several months have passed, a fairly rapid recovery in the price for crude oil, which is going to be too late, unfortunately, for some of the producers here in the United States that were already having a hard time with profitability at $60 oil. And so um, we're going to see a lot of bankruptcies in the meantime uh, before that happens, but the, the recovery should be pretty rapid. Uh, in this case, when it you say linger for a couple of years, like it did, for example, in the mid 1980s, you know, when that that bus lingered for several years. Now we've got a few minutes on this, a couple of minutes, like a minute. When you say it's not going to linger for long, can you give me some vision on like what are you what do you see towards the end of the year into 2021? I mean, how bad and how fast do we rebound back? Well, I'm, and I'm just talking about the oil business, of right, course. And, right, right, right. You know, I think it's going to be fairly rapid. I mean, you know, I, I really, When you say that, are you talking about gas prices coming back? I mean, the price of oil coming back up? And, and if so, what yeah, range? Yes, I mean, because once supply and demand curves cross one another, then all of a sudden you're talking about a, a, a shortage of oil supply. And if all these OPEC plus countries adhere to their production limits, you could even see a spike in oil prices in the fourth quarter of this year. Now, nobody's really talking about that yet because we don't know how rapidly the economies are actually going to recover. But if it is fairly rapid, which some of the optimistic projections see, uh, I think by, you know, by the end of this year, we could see price spiking back above $60. Now, Wow. As I mentioned, that's going to be too late for a lot of these companies. We're right. going to see a right. lot of bankruptcies. But, mm-hmm. but you know, the outlook for 2021 for oil prices it has got to be pretty strong at this point. Well, that is some good news. As we go into break, you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman. David, before the break, we were talking about OPEC Plus, the cuts, and what can we expect uh, in 2021. And I'm happy that you pulled out your crystal ball and gave us your <laughs> thoughts. On can where... I have one more thought? Sure, sure. The reason why I'm having that thought, we have to remember that, that in the 1980s, uh, that bust was a bust that was a combination of a a true economic recession globally, mm-hmm. and it, along with uh, dramatic uh, production increases from Saudi Arabia and a few other countries. Okay, this this current economic downturn is a self-inflicted wound. It is different yeah. than the massive recession we had in the late '70s and early 1980s. This is a self-inflicted economic downturn, and if it doesn't linger too long, if we do, if the government does begin reopening this economy, you know, within the next month or so, uh, the recovery should be pretty rapid because everyone needs to remember we had an incredibly vibrant and strong economy before we entered into this these stay-at-home orders nationwide. That's right. Uh, and so with a rapid recovery, is going to be, be a rapid rebound in oil demand. And that's likely, once the supply and demand curves cross, going to mean a very rapid price recovery towards the end of the year. Very good. Let's switch gears to talk about the Houston Chronicle. Um, you know, I did a segment um, at our, at our uh, flagship's station 740 KTRH in Houston, a quick segment on U.S. storage capacity and it's filling up last week. Um, The Houston Chronicle had a story this week as well discussing uh, how capacity is beginning now to fill up. Let's discuss why we should be concerned about capacity filling up in storage. Tell me how important it is amidst all the other crises that are going on globally. Yeah. Yeah, and it is important. It's one of the reasons why we're going to see a lot of wells shut in here in the coming weeks, and we're already seeing it, because, you know, we have lack of demand for for all this oil production that's coming out of Texas and other places. And so it it either needs to go into storage somewhere or the wells need to be shut in. And so right now, uh, most of the producers are able to send their crude oil into storage at Cushing, Oklahoma, the Port of Corpus Christi, Port of Houston. All these big refinery operations around the country have massive storage farms. But those storage farms are beginning to fill up. And once, you know, as they approach full capacity, more and more wells are going to have to be shut in. So when I say the U.S. is going to lose two to four million barrels a day of production, in the coming months, this is one of the main reasons why. But the good news is that a lot of that loss of production is just temporary because once the market rebounds, then these wells that that were producing wells are going to be reopened and the supply will begin to flow again. So um, a lot of this loss of U.S. production from 12.7 million barrels a day down around eight probably is what's going to happen is going to be temporary and will be recovered as the economy rebounds. And, you know, I wonder if the commissioners are also considering this. Like, for the amount of time it's going to take for them to whoop all this stuff up together and try to enforce it and put it out there, by that time, uh, it could be 
um, okay, right. we're a little too late. Um, let's switch gears a little bit because it's always amazing to me how these little environmentalists that are out there, these little associations that are always against everything pertaining to oil and gas, um, they also were on uh, the hearing with the Texas Railroad Commission um, this past week, and uh, one group, the EDP, urged commissioners to use proration as a tool to deal with the flaring issue in the Permian Basin. And, you know, I do have to say, if there's been one kind of black eye that keeps coming up on the energy industry, yep. it's been this specific topic. And even the commissioners themselves have been kind of critical on this. And um, I, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, uh, maybe they're mm-hmm. kind of going in the right path. And maybe this is something I know that uh, no one's liking this, go- what's going on. Uh, how do you think the possible approach will come from uh, from the Texas Railroad Commission in this sense? Yeah, no, I think it's actually a valid idea, you know, and, and EDF is, is one of the environmental groups that the industry has been able to work with over the years. Um, you know, it is an interesting idea. What they're, I think, suggesting is, and I've asked them to can give us a contribution for our next issue of the magazine on this to okay. fully explain it, uh-huh. um, is, is, you know, you could target prorationing, um, particularly at wells that are flaring their natural gas uh, in, a, in a way that could end up reducing that flaring problem that, that has been a nuisance for years now for the for the industry and a really intractable problem so i you know there is some merit there and there's no question as you said that that flaring issue has just been a real black eye for the whole industry and for a long time and, and for too long frankly right and uh, as this crisis hit the industry was really ramping up efforts you know some organized efforts to really deal with it in, in a more effective way and that's all been interrupted now by this crisis. But so I, you know, I think it's a valid idea. I thought I found it interesting, an interesting argument in favor of prorationing, and uh, and that's why I wanted to get uh, a contribution from from EDF and, and Scott Anderson, who is uh, the fellow that uh, wrote their comments for our next issue, Shell Magazine. Well, you know, I have to say that it seems as though um, last week's show was a lot of really just a lot of things happening, but a lot of doom and gloom. And, you know, today's show is a little bit more of there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, we think, coming. And uh, when we get back from break, I want to talk about the price of natural gas as well. Uh, There's been some media coverage on that. It looks like there's a potential change in that area as well don't know if it also has a lot to do with uh, is is there a possibility with of course the flaring of the natural gas um, does this make a, a difference in the way of price so when we come back from uh, break david i want to talk about um, pricing of natural gas you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our free business snapshot that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, 
advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash business snapshot. Start dealing with a company you can trust and will always be there for you. And we're back. You're listening to In the Wolf Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman. David, let's get on the topic of uh, natural gas. Uh, in the midst of this terrible crisis in oil, it appears that we have some positive news for gas producers. So now several analysts are saying that we could start seeing stronger natural gas prices as a result of the loss of oil production. Uh, do you agree with this? And also, if the if the Railroad Commission gets into regulating some flaring, will that also have an impact on the price of natural gas? Yes. Uh, so I think the short answer to that is yes. You know, a lot, One thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize about shale oil production is that pretty much all of the, the wells in the major shale basins, the Eagle Ford, the Permian Basin, the Bakken Shale, uh, even in the DJ Basin in Colorado, have a lot of associated natural gas production that comes up out of the ground with the oil. And to such an extent that the Permian Basin is the second largest oil produ- or natural gas producing basin in the country, just behind the Marcella Shell. And the Eagle Ford Shell is the fourth largest producing natural gas producing basin in America. So it's a ton of natural gas coming out of these basins. So as you see, the country lose all of this crude oil production, you should know that natural gas production is going down along with it. Mm -hmm. And what that's going to mean is, you know, we've had a lingering oversupply situation of natural gas in this country for a decade now. Well, that's all about to to get dried up to a large extent. And if we have anything resembling a cold winter this coming year, you could see natural gas prices actually rise up into the four to five dollar range. You know, they're sitting at a dollar seventy, a dollar eighty right now. I mean, you could see that the price for natural gas actually double. And so, producers who have, you know, have a big portfolio of natural gas production and have suffered all these years from very low gas prices, you know, could get something of a windfall over the winter as natural gas prices rise at least temporarily. You know. Now, it, this goes back to our production for this whole hour, right? Mm-hmm. Eventually, that oil production is going to come back, and as it does, then, then the natural gas oversupply situation is going to come back as well. But at least on a temporary basis, uh, I think we're probably going to see some, some fairly strong natural gas prices towards the end of this year and the first half of next year. Very interesting. And I do want to close out our show on another positive note as well, which is, you know, we've seen a lot of operators in 
in hard hit times, hard hit times, excuse me, hard hit times that have stepped up to the plate, whether it was Hurricane Harvey or um, earthquakes, um, it, it just seems as though the most generous industry, in my opinion, in the United States is always the energy industry. And we saw several reports over this week about ExxonMobil and other you know, companies continuing to do their good work in the communities where they operate. And despite the price of oil being where it is, despite them losing millions of dollars as a result of the price and, of course, the pandemic, they're still um, really doing and stepping up to the plate. But that's yep. not very uncommon for this industry, is it, David? No, it's really not. I mean, you know, that it's something we see time after time after time. As you mentioned, Hurricane Harvey. My goodness, I mean, we, we had a cover story about all the incredible work in, in local communities of Houston and, and other communities where ConocoPhillips operates. Uh, and that, you know, of course, I mean, it wasn't just ConocoPhillips doing that. They were actually typical of the entire industry. Yeah. And, and again, in, in the midst of this coronavirus uh, pandemic, we see all these companies like ExxonMobil and Apache Corporation, all these other comp- companies stepping up to the plate, not just continuing their charitable works in those communities, but, but ramping them up in the midst of a situation where they're really losing a lot of money. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just how this industry operates. It's, it's who the people are that run these companies, and it's uh, always gratifying to see that. And, you know, I don't think they get enough credit because I think the general perception is it's a bunch of corporate suits, no people behind it. Their shareholders are really what matters the most and, and getting a profit as much as you can. And if if, you, if the community would really look and see these operators with Hurricane Harvey writing $2 million, $1 million checks to, you know, schools and foundations, and they were out there donating. On top of that, though, let's look now and see – you know, you have all these companies stepping up, but then all year long, let's look at who the cover is. Tracy Bentley with the Permian Basin Strategic right. Partnership. Each operator donating $10 million each, and there's, what, 20 operators? And what are they building in Midland? Roads, health care. They're looking at all the infrastructure necessary in these areas. I'd like to give you a little bit of time to talk about. Yeah, talk to us about the cover. Right, yeah, and and it does. It goes right back to that Permian Strategic Partnership and and what they're trying to do. They they have all these different programs partnering with, with local school districts, with county commissioners' courts on roads, hospital districts on, on um, increasing healthcare opportunities in these communities, uh, housing, addressing the housing issues that take place. You know, where you have a, a big, heavy oil industry presence in small communities, you end up with housing shortages. And so they're, they're working with various communities to address those things. And it's just, it's, it's this really a, a unique operation. It's the first one that's structured specifically this way that I've seen in my 40 years associated with the industry. And, and it's, um, 
you know, it's just uh, one of the things that how this, this industry works with the communities in which they operate to find ways to address these impacts because it is an impactful industry. And so it's a really great story. I, I, it's one of the, the most interesting and, and easy stories I've had to write because it's because it is interesting. And there's so many different moving parts to it. So she's a she's a really dynamic personality, and I, I would feel lucky to have been able to write about that operation out there. Well, you know, the, the one thing that I did enjoy as well was when I spoke to Tracy as well was that they also took into something consideration that most uh, organizations overlook, which is the mental health uh, and how important right. that is overall as well. And the fact that they really don't get into lobbying. This is a pure group. They're designed to create uh, a, a better place to live and work for the communities that they're working in. So I'd like to leave us with anybody who wants to read more about the, the, the Permian Basin Strategic Partnership, the operators, Tracy Bentley, please be sure to visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and you can get a free digital issue of, of course, this latest issue of Shell Magazine. David, that's all the time we have for this week. I look forward to having you back next week. So, of course, we can talk more oil and gas. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.